Welcome back to This Week in Film. It's the weekly podcast where we get together and talk about the movies we have seen over the past seven days. I'm Nick Pinunzo, joined as always by Midwest Matt Lauer. Matt, how's it going? It's going great, Nick. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds wonderful. Yeah, I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm good. My twins just had a birthday, so happy birthday to my twins. They're three now. birthday, twins. We did it. (laughs) You Uh, kept them alive for another year. One more year. That's the goal. Great. So, (laughs) So. (laughs) Matt, have you seen movies this week? I did. I saw two movies this week. One was Underwater, and the other was Zombieland Double Tap. Oh, okay. How about you? Uh, I, too, saw... Two movies. Oh, good, because we have a podcast to do. And what were the movies? I Oh, right. I don't know. And I saw Terminator, Dark Fate. Oh. And Angel Has Fallen, the final in the Has Fallen series of movies. <laughs> for now. Yeah, I was going to say, I heard there were more. You know, I was reading the trivia for it before we started the show, and at the top of the trivia, it says, Gerard Butler hopes that this will be the last in the It's Fallen series. And then at the bottom, it says, Gerard Butler has said in recent interviews, he hopes there are three more installments of this series. (laughs) Gerard Butler hopes to keep being in things. Yeah. What was the date on the first comment? Don't know. Let's see. It doesn't have a date, but 96 of 104 people found it interesting. Ah, 104. That's how I'll measure time with people. This whole segment will be removed. I figured. (laughs) 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 All right. So Nick Pinunto, the host who didn't pause at all. What movie would you like to start with? Let's start with Angel Has Fallen, since we've already been talking about it. For, for so one long second. <laughs> From 2019, directed by Rick Roman. What? <laughs> it's from 2019? Yeah, it came out last year. Oh, man. I thought they came out like four years ago. No, it came out in August. Oh, man. It tells you how aware of this trilogy I am. Yeah, and this dude's last name really is What? <laughs> it's like Mo. <laughs> It stars Gerard Butler, Morgan Freeman, and Danny Houston. There is no President Aaron Eckhart in this movie. Morgan Freeman has been promoted to President of the United States. Wow, what a promotion. Gerard Butler's wife has been replaced by Piper Perabu, who I haven't seen in movies in years and years. Did he get promoted? Like, is that a... Is that an improvement in wives? I don't know. Well, that didn't really mean, like, a step up in looks. Just like... Who was the who was there before? Was it like a I don't know, name a bad actress. She wasn't bad. I forget who she is. Rada Mitchell is the actress playing his wife. Ah, that answers the question I asked. And so this movie starts off with American Secret Service agent Mike Banning. Still as a Secret Service agent, he's now working under President Morgan Freeman. The movie starts off with an action sequence. And you know what this movie's about already, where where the, the plot of this movie, according to the IMDb, is Mike Banning is framed for the attempted assassination of the president and must evade his own agency and the FBI as he tries to uncover the real threat. So the movie starts off with him like in a shootout with these other guys. And you're like, oh, is this movie is this starting in the in the middle and we're going to flash back to everything that's gone wrong? And about 20 seconds into the, the beginning action sequence, you go, this is a paintball fight, isn't it? Mm. This is this is a trading sequence. And it was it's a training sequence. And what uh, was your hint? The fact that he's wearing safety goggles. And I was like, why is he wearing those? This must be a paintball. Even though it's clearly not paintball while they're doing the action sequence. Like, it doesn't turn into paintball until he gets shot. And they're like, you got me. All the dudes come out and they got, like, paint on them. But when he's running around shooting them, it's like bullets are hitting them. Because I was looking for the paint. I was like, this is paintball. But it's a pretty effective action sequence. This movie was better than the second one. 
Oh, that's it's good. it is good. Yeah, I mean that is good news. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's still terrible. It was it was awful, but it was better than the second one, which is a step up. You you know you're moving in the right direction. Is it better than the first one? I don't know. The first one's pretty stupid too. But if I had to choose to watch any of them, I think I would go with the first one again over this one. What's but, the first so, one got going for it that this one doesn't? Uh, we're in the White House. It's Die Hard. Die Hard in the White House, basically. More contained? More contained. It's it's him against bad guys, whereas in this this movie, he's just kind of fighting the FBI the whole time. He's just fighting time. random people. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple sequences of that where he's like enemy number one in the United States, and he keeps getting guns pulled on him by militiamen in Pennsylvania or West Virginia or something, and he's got to like steal their cars and all this nonsense. He's not really fighting bad guys. These guys are just trying to apprehend him because he's wanted the movie starts off at this training facility and the training facility is run by danny houston and immediately you're like well this is the bad guy of the movie uh the movie spends about 10 minutes trying to make you think oh these guys are just old friends and danny houston owns this training facility and he's he makes a comment about ever since all that blackwater stuff went down it's been tough for us mercenaries to get a job and if you become director of the secret service Service, which is one of the subplots is that the guy who took over for Angela Bassett in the last one, who is Lance Reddick, who you may recognize as the police captain or commissioner from The Wire, but also as the concierge at the hotel in John Wick. Oh, yeah. He's Gerard Butler's boss and he's mm -hmm. retiring and Gerard Butler's up for his job. And Danny Houston says, you know, if you become director of the Secret Service, maybe you could talk the president into letting more mercenaries. And Gerard Butler's like, ah, you know, I'll see what I can do. Well, well, maybe we should come have dinner sometime. And he goes, I'd like that. And so the next scene is President Morgan Freeman having a press conference and he, he walks into the press room whatever it's called <laughs> and he stands at the podium and he goes i'll take your questions now and someone says mr president what what's the deal with all these mercenaries you you said during your campaign that you were going to stop the united states from using mercenary armies and forces all over the world and he goes Yes, that is correct. And then he follows it up with like a question contradicting what Morgan Freeman just said. And he and Morgan Freeman goes, press conference is over. And then he just walks away. <laughs> walks away with this check. They go to the Oval Office. And in the Oval Office, Morgan Freeman's like, what's with all these leakers? Why, why do we have so much leaking from the White House? This movie's very... This movie does not seem to know which side of the aisle it wants to be on. Like, I feel like uh -huh. it's trying to play both sides because I think the market for this movie is more conservative than the progressive side of the aisle. But at the same time, the people making this movie feel like they're more progressive than the people they're making it for. So Morgan Freeman's like, we, we have all these leakers. We need to stop the leakers from within the White House. And the new vice president, Tim Blake Nelson, plays vice president Kirby. And he says, you're right, Mr. President, we need to stop these leakers. And you're like, oh, well, this guy's dirty. <laughs> like immediately, you're just like, this is also a bad guy, isn't it? Oh, and then Morgan Freeman says, we will no longer be using these mercenary armies. Our forces are stretched too thin, and it's our fault that our men are in these positions. And Tim Blake Nelson is not happy to hear this. So then we cut to Gerard Butler's house where he's having lunch or something with Danny Houston, his, his old army friend. And Danny Houston tells some endearing stories about Gerard Butler, about why he's such a great guy. And Parker Paraboo's like, that's why we love him. And you're like, oh, this guy is an old friend. When will he try to kill Gerard Butler? And the answer is soon. The answer is very soon, because Gerard Butler, the president, is taking a vacation. He's going to, I guess, Camp David or something like that. And Morgan Freeman wants to go fishing, and they're on the boat. Oh, and I forgot to mention, this movie also ignores the previous two movies. It does not acknowledge them in any way, except for the fact that Mike Banning, Gerard Butler, is suffering from terrible headaches from concussions he's received and he's in horrible pain because of uh, injuries he's received and so he's got a bit of a pill addiction problem 
you know? Oh, a la uh, very, 24. Very timely with the modern opioid epidemic. He's been going to random doctors to get prescriptions for more pills and uh, paying with cash. You know, very shady, very shady. So we're making a statement about that, too, I guess. So he's got that going on. And then the president says, I'd like you to be my new Secret Service director if, if you're willing to take the job. Take a few days. Think about it. And let me know what you think. And Gerard Butler says, well, uh, I appreciate the opportunity, Mr. President. And then he gets like a migraine headache. And the president is like, Mike, you need to take care of yourself. Gerard Butler's like, yeah, I guess you're right. And he calls for someone to relieve him on the boat. And as the guy gets on, the new guy gets on the boat, Gerard Butler's driving back to the shore while Morgan Freeman's just fishing. All of a sudden this van shows up. I know I'm getting real specific with this because it's the best part of the movie is the beginning. (laughs) This van shows up Uh and they hook up a bunch of hydraulic hoses to it. And it just starts shooting out these little darts that just go pew, 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 pew. It shoots off about 4,000 of these things into the air and they're drones, like little remote control helicopter airplane drones. Uh I say that they're both because it has propellers and it's shaped like an airplane. I see. They come over the trees and this one guy's like, are those bats? And then Gerard Butler, always with a nose for danger, knows what they are immediately and starts yelling. With a nose for drones. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, they're drones. They're drones. So the Secret Service start unloading into these things, but they're the size of a water bottle and they can't hit any of them. And they all just slam into the Secret Service and they're bombs. They're just flying bombs and they kill everybody (laughs) it blows everybody up in a very entertaining and impressive scene a lot of a lot of cool explosions that i that i enjoyed it was pretty well done and gerard butler makes it back to the president and saves him just in time to watch another one of his friends explode and then the scene ends with them under underwater and then we pick back up in a hospital where they've been medevaced there where the the president is now in a coma and mike banning is also in a coma, but not as serious. And over the course... (laughs) Do they say that? Are they like, he's also in a coma? But just so you know, it's not as bad of a coma. They say say Mike Banning is slightly more responsive than the president. At this point, Jada Pinkett Smith shows up, which is a death sentence for your movie. I don't care for Jada Pinkett Smith. Yeah, I can't say I've ever seen her in anything that I, I really enjoyed her performance in. She's been good in things, but whenever she shows up, I'm always like, ugh. And so she shows up and she's the head of the FBI investigating this particular crime. And in about two hours, she determines that Mike Banning is responsible for all this. He was responsible for the van and the assassination attempt on the president. And he's got $10 million stashed away. And it's we got to lock him up. And Mike Banning wakes up and he's like, what? what happened is the president okay and jada pinkett's like sitting there while he's handcuffed to the bed and he's just waking up from his coma she says tell us all your secrets mike Banning, or something like that and he goes i don't know what you're talking about you're lying get him out of here and they just take him away and they're driving him away it's a caravan of three cars there's like a police car in the front a van with him in the middle going to prison and then a police car in the back And they are quickly eliminated, and Mike Banning is set free by these guys that are rescuing him slash kidnapping him. Mm -hmm. And it turns out these are the guys from that paintball game he played at the beginning of the movie. (gasps) Uh, So it's no longer a game. No, it's real now. If you pretend it's real, you won't die when it is real, which is a line from the movie. And then that's the guy that he... I really was just about to say you can edit that out too. (laughs) (laughs) And so then the movie continues. It's, it gets real stupid. It gets real stupid, but it's pretty entertaining. I don't ever want to see it again, but it gets really dumb. There is one moment where the special effects are so like a building explodes and Gerard Butler and Morgan Freeman and the guy from the wire are running past this building as it's falling down. And it is the worst special effect 
you have ever seen. And I started laughing so hard and I just couldn't, I could not fathom why they felt it was necessary to include this shot Mm -hmm. in the movie because leading up to it, this building's falling down and Gerard Butler's like, get in the building, you know, like the other building, not the one that's falling down, get in the building and take cover. They're like running inside. As a viewer, you go, all right, I understand they're going into the building We'll pick it up from inside. But then they show this wide shot of them running. Like, it looks like they're running on treadmills and the camera's moving. Uh-huh. And it's, it's just it's just them going like, and the backgrounds, it's a, the background is all keyed out and it's this terrible CGI smoke. And it looks so awful. So awful. One other thing I wanted to point out is yep. that Nick Nolte is also in this movie. Ah, don't yes. too much. No, there's reason. Uh, Although he does play a role on the Mandalorian TV show, and he's quite good in the Mandalorian TV show. He's a voice of one of the characters. I didn't realize it till much later, but you, you realize you're like, oh yeah, he was good. And in this movie, he plays Mike Banning's estranged father. They've does he got have an issues. Irish accent? Nope. Or a Scottish accent, rather? Nope. He's a Vietnam War veteran who is struggling with post-traumatic stress. And Mike Banning finds him because it's the because he lives off the grid in the mountains and then drags him into the fight. And then Nick Nolte leaves the movie only to show up five minutes later at his house in a scene that makes no sense at all. It makes absolute zero sense, except to have him in the movie at the end of the movie. Spoiler alert. Gerard Butler wins. Oh, no. I, I, I never would have guessed. He saves the president and he admits to the president that he's been having a problem with drugs and headaches. And the president is like, it's our struggles that define us. The job is still yours. And Mike Banning's like, thanks. Handshake. And then the credits start. And you're like, all right, this movie is over. I can turn it off. Wait a second. Maybe I'll just skip to the end and make sure that Nick Fury doesn't show up just to make sure. And 30 seconds later, there's a stinger scene. Really? Yep. Where Gerard Butler and Nick Nolte are sitting on the porch enjoying like a drink of whiskey and Nick Nolte is telling Gerard Butler he needs to get his head straightened out. And this scene is the most baffling piece of cinema I think I have ever seen. I don't understand any of it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Okay. I don't know why they why they filmed it. And the only thing I can think is that while they were on the set, Gerard Butler and Nick Nolte were goofing around and made a joke and they dared each other to have to go to one of those zero gravity float tank things where you sit in the salt water and you float. Mm -hmm. So that scene, I I don't really know anything about that, but okay. Oh, that's like a whole thing. I've never done it, but my wife has sensory deprivation tank kind of. Yeah. But, but it's not a coffin. It's not like the thing Homer gets in, in that episode of the Simpsons, which is what I thought those things were. So they go there and this lady's talking about chakras and feelings of love. And they cuts to Nick Nolte and Gerard Butler standing there in their underwear uncomfortably for them and me. And they go, well, we're here. We might as well do it. Yeah, yeah, we we ought to do it because I'm Nick Nolte. And it cuts to them floating in water and Gerard Butler's like, hey, this is kind of nice. I kind of like this. And Nick Nolte's like, yeah, this isn't so bad. And then the lights turn out. And Gerard Butler, or Nick Nolte, starts freaking out. And he's like, nope, 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 get me out of here. No. He starts freaking out. And Gerard Butler's freaking out. And then Gerard Butler says, I'm sorry I brought you here, Dad. And then Nick Nolte says, I'm going to pee in this water. And the movie is over now. What? Yeah. All right, then. That's it. That's that's the end. Wow. Well, that does sound baffling. Yeah, I uh, I don't know how to explain it. I I've never seen a David Cronenberg movie. Yeah, but I imagine that this is more complicated than that. <laughs> <laughs> this scene, it's so bizarre. I don't know. I don't know what to do with it, and I don't know why they gave it to me. Well, now that I've heard about it, I don't really know what to do with that either. Except for not watch <laughs> that movie. I mean, that that feels pretty right. Yeah, you're not wrong. 
So that's really all I have on the Angel Has Fallen movie. The beginning 20 minutes were pretty entertaining, and then it just turns into terribleness for a while. Oh, at one point, Jada Pinkett Smith goes to confront Danny Houston because they they figure out that all this stuff is coming from his compound. And they take a helicopter there, and she gets out of the helicopter, and she goes, Hey, Danny Houston, are you breaking the law? And Danny Houston goes, Yes, and shoots her in the stomach. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that that sounds pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's weird. It's so dumb. I'm not all that great with names. So when you said Danny Houston, I'm like, I don't actually know who he's talking about. So I looked him up. And yeah, no, I think as soon as I see that guy, I'd be like, okay, he's up to something. Yeah, he is the not the main. I don't know. He's in Wonder Woman. He's the guy who like sniffs. Oh, right. Yeah. Smelling salts to become like superhuman. But he's not like the the ultimate villain. Yeah. Yeah. Or is he? Spoilers. Yeah, well, they started this. <laughs> I, well, I was dancing around it. <laughs> I don't think you are by going like, he was a bad guy, but he's not the big, uh, <laughs> he's not the real. Um... <laughs> well, you know what? You go ahead and edit that out, too. This could be the most edited episode ever. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for telling us about Angel Has Fallen. I will tell you now about Zombieland Double Tap. Oh, boy. Yeah, you know, I went into this movie almost exactly as I went into the first one. And I think I've mentioned a handful of times, because it kept showing up on Preview Corner, that when I saw the first one, I didn't expect much of it. I wasn't exactly looking forward to it and went to it just kind of out of curiosity and ended up really enjoying myself. Went into this one going, eh, not really looking forward to this all that much, and I'm not expecting much either. The previews didn't do anything for me. But I feel like I just probably should watch it, and I had a good time. Uh, really? Yeah, this movie was... I, now, I don't remember the first movie all that well, so it did leave me with a couple questions. Mainly, why they all have names of cities, because I don't remember any sort of explanation to that, but every single person in the movie has the... Instead of a human being name, they have a city name. And I'm assuming... That there's a reason for that. So I don't know. If there's not, then, well, I'm just filling in nothing there. It's, in the first one, it's just kind of where you're from. Yeah. And like, I guess there's just. That there's just so few people left in the world that it's just kind of like, oh, where are you from? I'm from Tallahassee. So they'll just call you Tallahassee because you'll probably be the only person named that. But they don't really okay. explain it. It's just a, a thing that everyone seems to do. Except for Bill Murray. Bill Murray is still Bill is Murray. Bill Murray. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I assume that they were from the places that they were called, but I didn't realize that it was because, I don't know, it, it wasn't maybe, for some reason. Like, maybe you know, like it's... Uh, Reservoir Dogs or something where they're like, you're Mr. White, you know? Yeah. I could, maybe I have it backwards. Maybe it's the, their destination. Where are you going? Tallahassee. Okay. Well, then you're Tallahassee. So it's, it's one or the I don't other. think I so remember. because Tallahassee seems to want to go to Nashville. So I don't think it's the destination. Either way, this movie starts out with them going to the White House, which is in the preview. So, you know, like, I don't think I'm spoiling anything there. And it kind of got me thinking. I was like, that's sort of something to do. You know, like, okay, we're stuck here. There are zombies and it probably gets boring after a while. So you, I don't know, need a destination. So why not go to the White House? You're not going to get in there otherwise, unless you're on a tour. Something to do. So it got me wondering, and Nick, I'd like to pose this question to you. And that is, if you could go anywhere because, you know, zombies, where would you go? Oh, boy. Well, I guess I'd go wherever you are so that I would have a friend. Oh, man, I'd be dead long before we met in the middle. So I don't know about that. (laughs) You might need a different plan. I got Uh, uh, terrible eyes and my contacts would probably get lost in the first month or so. I don't know where I would go. Being in Chicago, I think I might try to get into the Sears Tower and just like go all the way to the top. But you can do that anyway. I know. But nobody would be there. (laughs) (laughs) You'd have to take the stairs. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's a personal challenge. I could go up a few a few flights the first day, and a few flights the second day, and guess how many days it'll take me to get to the top. Many. No, I didn't mean you have to guess. Oh, okay. <laughs> I would try to guess before I do it. But you're right. That's true. It's actually, if it's on my bucket list, I should just go there anyway. I could do that anytime. Good point. Sears Tower is cool. I've done that. Maybe I would go to the aquarium, which I can also go to anytime, but I'd like hang out with the seals and stuff. They're probably all dead. By the time I get there, 
Maybe. You might be right. <laughs> it would smell horrible. <laughs> well, then I'd go over to the... I did actually think it might be interesting to go to a museum and climb on, climb on a dinosaur skeleton. I'm sure it wouldn't hold me up, but it'd still be fun. Oh, you know what? I know what I would do. I would want to go... I would also go to Washington, D.C. and go to the, like the Smithsonian so that I could go inside a space shuttle. Oh. Or a uh, the lander from the moon. Because they have one of those there. Oh, That'd be fun to go like inside. Out how to power it up and start driving a moon rover all over the place? <laughs> Could you imagine run across run across some other group of survivors and they see you and they're like, "Is that guy in a fucking lunar rover?" <laughs> Do I have a spacesuit on? Because I think you gotta wear the spacesuit if you're driving a lunar rover. I guess it depends on what time of year it is. It might be pretty hot in the summer. That's true. Spacesuits so, are just not just. <laughs> So going back to Zombieland Double Tap, you have the same crew as in the last movie, and the younger female character, who I guess is the younger sister of Emma Stone's character, she wants to get a boyfriend. And I know this is going to sound pretty lame as far as like the plot to a zombie movie, but it's there. She wants to have a boyfriend, and she feels like more or less the Woody Harrelson character is in the way. And there's some drama between Jesse Eisenberg's character and Emma Stone. And I don't remember the names other than Cincinnati. Oh, wait, no. Cincinnati might be one of them. <laughs> Tallahassee was what you're saying before, right? That sounds right. I could just name cities. Uh, yeah, like one of their you know, Dover. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, so she wants to get a boyfriend, and obviously she's not meeting one while she's with the group, so she wants to kind of go off on her own, and she does, and then there's some drama and conflict, and throughout the movie, they meet different characters. There's one female character who's kind of along for the ride for a bit, and everybody in this movie, I think this might be kind of how I felt about the first one, too, everyone's slightly annoying. But they're likable enough that overall, it's pleasant. So it ends up kind of striking a similar chord in humor. The movie knows what it is and doesn't take itself very seriously. And the comedy is mostly character driven. There, there are some things that are just, hey, here's a gag. You know, how zombies die or different rules and things that they talk about that have a have a comedic spin to them. But a lot of the jokes, too, come from the characters. Maybe that's part of what makes, makes the characters likable, even though they're a little bit annoying. But it's a fun ride. It's totally just perfect kind of cheesy fun. I, I would say if you're like, you've had a long day and you're looking for a movie that's just lighthearted and moves at a good pace and has a decent, reliable laugh every, every couple of minutes, check this one out. And if you like the first one, I mean, definitely go ahead and go back for another dose because it is pretty similar. So long as I'm remembering the first movie, right? Okay. That sounds great. I'd like to watch it now. I'm more excited to see it now. Yeah, I, th I think you'll enjoy it. One thing that I read about that movie, and I guess it was a complaint, but I didn't understand why they were complaining about that is that the movie's just kind of a slice of their life like here's a bunch of days out of their lives in the middle of their adventures there's no real it doesn't it's just have a very cohesive one specific plot it's a little bit more okay you have a chunk of time and you're just seeing how they interact with each other there are certain situations that are sort of ongoing conflicts or gags but the whole movie doesn't form completely around them the closest thing is the girl going to get a boyfriend but it's not really it's not really about that. So uh -huh. so I could see that being, it's a true point. It, I don't know that it does much to enjoyment of the movie, though. Mm, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in seeing it. When I read that comment, I thought, well, that sounds like a perfect sequel where it's just, here's more of what you had and yeah. and not double the stakes double the action kind of a thing like in this movie they're not trying to cure the zombies or something yeah it's just it, it we're still stuck in this wasteland but here's some funny things that happen along the way yeah that's pretty much it that sounds great that sounds perfect yeah i mean it, it wasn't a perfect movie but for what you'd be looking for from it it's right on point well i'm very excited to see that then well enjoy then that brings me to the second movie i saw this week titled Ah, yes, just Terminator Dark Fate from 2019 and directed by Tim Miller. This movie stars Linda Hamilton, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mackenzie Davis, Whoa. and <laughs> that, that was fun, <laughs> and Natalia Reyes are your main actors. And how much spoiler do you want me to get into this? Oh, as much as you want. 
Okay. So I won't ruin everything, but I'll at least explain the beginning. The beginning of this movie is the best part of it. The very beginning of the movie starts with footage from Terminator 2 of Linda Hamilton saying, you're all dead. That whole speech where she's in the psychiatric hospital and she's doing the you're all dead. And the, the doctor's like, lots of people have visions of the future, Sarah. And she's like, you don't get it do you? And all you think is, I wish I was watching Terminator 2 right now. This movie I'm watching looks awesome. (laughs) And then the movie you're watching, Dark Fate, begins. And it's still Linda Hamilton doing a voiceover, but it puts up a year, and it says 1988, and it's in Mexico. And it's Linda Hamilton and young John Connor, played by a computer-generated Eddie Furlong, Edward Furlong. (laughs) <laughs> Eddie Furlong, eh? Yeah, we're close. And it's a computer-generated young Linda Hamilton, too. And it says 1988. So this whole thing happens before Terminator 2. Everything I'm about to tell you happens before Terminator 2. Really? Yeah. So Terminator 2, 3, 4, and 5 never happen. Unless unbeknownst to me... I always just assumed Terminator 2 takes place in 1992 and not 1988. I just assumed it was 1992. Is that not correct? I think it might be. It might be right. Because, yeah, I think Judgment Day was supposed to happen in like 1997 or something. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. All right. I, but I get what you're saying. If if that stuff all happens at the beginning and then i guess the rest of the events wouldn't take place so yeah this is at least a bit before that right so what what i imagine is going on in this sequence which is which is weird is is one of two things is that either terminator 2 took place in the 80s the late 80s and i didn't realize it and this is after that adventure and her and john are just in mexico at some resort just kind of laying low or this is before she got arrested and put into the psychiatric hospital and he was put in, in and before he was put in the foster care it is not clear and the only thing that makes it totally unclear is that a very computer generated arnold young arnold schwarzenegger walks up behind her and kills john connor in front of her uh-huh and she's very sad and <laughs> And then that's the end of the the real, like the prologue of the movie is that John Connor's dead. And then we go to, it's 2019 and we're in, I think it's 2019. It may be 2022. I'm not sure why I think that, but we're in Mexico. There's a woman named Danny Ramos is her name. She's played by Natalia Reyes and she's this nice young lady and she's, she has like a brother and a dad and she's like, oh, you guys always giving me hassles. All right, brother, let's go to work at the automobile factory. And the dad's like, okay, sweetheart, we'll, we'll, I'll see you later. And she goes, I love you, dad. And she's going with her brother after this really odd sequence yes. of her and her yeah. brother. <laughs> yeah, they all, they're all dead. And everyone but her. There's this really odd sequence of her waking him up and he's in his boxers and you're like, what is this is uncomfortable. And then they go to work together. They work at this auto plant. And as they get there, there's a robot doing the, the brother's job. Oh, no. And <laughs> and she's like, what is this all about? And he goes... So it's actually it's, about, uh, it's a movie about people losing their jobs. And it's like, yeah. you've all been terminated. <laughs> now, see, that's the kind of tongue-in-cheek humor this movie desperately needs. Uh, because... There are so many moments where people could say like a cheesy line like that Uh and it would work in this movie where the brother says, hey, what's with this robot at my station? And the guy goes, that's the future. Oh, by the way, the boss wants to talk to you. And the girl's like, I'll go talk to him. And she goes inside and it's some guy working in this factory who like runs everything. And he's like, I don't know what to tell you. The robot's going to do his job. And she goes, there's 3000 people working out there. And you're going to tell me that robots are going to take all their jobs. And all I can think is, have you not read a newspaper in the last 30 years? What are you talking about? The only reason that this auto plant is in Mexico is because it's cheaper than buying the robots right now. The minute the robots are cheaper than than the labor costs in Mexico, they will use robots. Like that should have been your long-term plan from the beginning, but that's economics and we're not going to get into that. At two separate points during this whole thing, the 
Terminator, the new Terminator shows up and the savior person, the, the Michael Bean character from the future shows up. And the Michael Bean character is Mackenzie Davis, whose character is named Grace. And she is an augmented human, which means that she's human, but she's got robo parts. Oh, and yeah. Mackenzie Davis, I did not realize it till my wife pointed it out. You remember the movie The Martian? Yeah. She is the girl with the glasses that is watching Matt Damon drive all over the planet, all over Mars. Oh, she's, she's the, the one, one that's tracking like him down. kind of emotionally the most on his side, where she's like uh, freaking out when things aren't working and stuff and like having the most upset when things aren't going his way. I don't think so. No? No. Oh, well, then I just made up a character. <laughs> <laughs> but in this movie, she has Ben Stiller's haircut from Simple Jack in the movie Tropic Thunder. I thought that was a funny joke. And they show a flashback to her when she was a child. And in order to demonstrate that it's the same person, she has the same Simple Jack haircut. Uh, and you're like, you need a new haircut. This is not working. Sorry, so I couldn't get your joke. I don't remember Tropic Thunder that well. Oh, Tropic Thunder is wonderful. The Terminator shows up at the auto plant, and so does Mackenzie Davis. They have a big fight that spills out of the auto plant, and then there's this cool car chase sequence that at times looks amazing and horrible. It goes from like an amazing special effects shot to the worst CGI well, you've ever seen. Almost worse than that shot in Angel Has Fallen when they're in front of the smoke, where you're just like, why, 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 why? So that's a lot of this movie. A lot of really cool CGI, like really, really impressive special effects right next to really terrible special effects. Gotcha. And you're just like, man... That's a misstep. But having better special effects all around would not save this movie. It's not very good. It is not terrible. It's pretty entertaining. But for the most part, the whole time you're watching it, you just want to be watching the first Terminator or the second Terminator. And that's how I feel about every other Terminator sequel. Is yeah. I just wish I was watching this better movie. The movie tries to have a sense of humor every once in a while. And when it does, it works really well. It's directed by Tim Miller, who's the guy who did the first Deadpool movie. So he's got comedy action experience. And I feel like while you're watching it, that they wanted more comedy, but they also, it's a property like the Terminator. So it has to be just stone cold serious all the time. I don't know, man. They tried comedy in the third one and it was bad. Yeah, well, that was just bad. And this one, Arnold Schwarzenegger's in this movie. He shows up like halfway through and he's the Terminator that kills John Connor right? Uh -huh. And after he kills John Connor, he's like, I have no more objectives to accomplish, but I am still alive. <laughs> so he just, he basically... Doesn't he become he like a handyman or something? He hangs curtains. He starts his own business and he hangs curtains and he calls himself Carl. There's this one sequence where he's talking to the Danny Ramos girl. It's this wide shot of this warehouse that they're just kind of hiding out in. And he's just talking and he's, and, and you realize that, oh, he's not talking about terminating somebody. He's talking about hanging drapes. He's talking about having to hang drapes in a little girl's room and the guy, and he says, oh, you, the man wanted to use a solid color in a child's room and that simply does not work. <laughs> it's just it goes on for forever but the timing of it is so great that you're that you just wish there was more of that in this movie okay so a success and, by Arnold on yeah on a comedies. success by Arnold Linda Hamilton I think is largely wasted I feel like she just really doesn't have a whole lot to do except to look pissed off in this movie okay but the comedy stuff every time Arnold shows up he should be saying I know it sounds terrible but when you're watching it there's one sequence where he's hanging off of a an airplane and he like pops right back up and you just want him to go hi how are you you know you just want him to to be a little goofy because he's been living with a family for 30 years you just want him so, to walk into people's houses and start talking about their drapes yeah like you just kind of want him to be more carl and less terminatory i think that's really all i got about this without without you having seen it oh well i don't care like i said you can spoil it i feel like i just know stuff from hearing enough about it anyway does carl end up dying at the end Spoiler he does alerts. okay 
does he does die at the end and it's actually it looks like there's a lot of cool imagery in it especially like the the last shot of the arnold t800 but the scene again leading right up to it is just terrible looking force lightning coming out of the emperor's hand and it's supposed to be he's it's heating him up so hot that he's just kind of melting into the metal ground that he's on Uh but then he's done melting and it cuts to like this overhead shot of him and it's it's awesome looking like really cool imagery but again preceded by terrible cgi and just like a boring story the story itself is really boring and then the the twist the big twist of the movie is the danny ramos girl that Mackenzie Davis has come back to save. Linda Hamilton says early on, she's like, the reason she's here is because you are going to give birth to the leader of their resistance. And what we find out later is that no, she is the leader of the resistance. It's Uh not her. It's not her son. It's her. And then we flash, we do like a flash forward to the future where this girl looks like she's nine years old. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like the i am not kidding like the the danny ramos looks 10 years younger in the future than she does in the modern day setting of the movie where you're just it just makes no sense at oh, all right but that's the twist of the movie is that she is john connor in the future well yeah who cares i mean I, I i don't feel like that would change much about the movie well again yeah it's it's it really is a who cares because terminator's that still do, there for the same reason yeah exactly a terminator comes back from the future and Mackenzie davis is talking to linda hamilton and she goes tell me what how did skynet go online and Mackenzie davis is like i don't know what you're talking about lady what we're talking about is legion i think legion is the bad guy from terminator genesis but i can't remember no I think Legion creates Genesis. Well, here's what I just realized I want to see in another Terminator movie. Mm -hmm. I want it to take place in like 1821. Mm -hmm. And they're like, your great, great, great granddaughter is going to give birth to a son who's going to lead the resistance against the machines. And they're like, what machines? You know, killing machines with supercomputers in their head. And they're like, computers? What are you talking about? And the whole movie is just them trying to explain to these people what kind of effects and dangers and things could be coming from them. But they're too... They're not in the future enough to be able to understand any of it. <laughs> they have to keep they have to keep dumbing it down until they get to the point where they're like, it's got five horsepower and one machine. <laughs> the guy and they're like, oh my god, five horsepower! They cut off their arm. They're like, this guy's got metal bones. <laughs> oh, anyway, yeah. So I would say check it out to you, but you're not going to like it. Like you're not going to enjoy yourself. But it's probably worth watching to hate watch it. Kind of a thing. Check it out so I can send you some text about what i'm watching yeah okay and the the terminator in the movie they call him a rev nine and he's played by gabriel luna he is pretty cool looking actually so the way this one works is it's combination of the arnold terminator skeleton you know like Mm -hmm. the metal skeleton and the t1000 where he can just kind of split into two entities where he's like the bl- robot, but he's all black, which shouldn't look as cool as it does, but it looks pretty cool. Oh man, and then so bad in the previews. Maybe they I agree it up before it came out though. I I agree, it looks bad in the previews, but like when you're actually watching the movie, you're like, that thing looks cool. Okay, and it might just be because it's just a new paint job on the on an '80s design. But I was into it. the The other half of them is like this liquid goo that can reconstitute itself just like the T-1000. And the whole time you're watching that, you're just like, you're not going to top it. Stop trying to beat the T-1000. It's it's unbeatable or, yeah, or it's untoppable that, as far as filmmaking goes. That's a big problem in terms of like, it's a challenge. It doesn't mean that anything that comes after it has to be bad, but it's a challenge once something is so flexible you know it, it, it can do it can mm-hmm. be anything even in the third movie where they're like well look at this woman she can spin around the top half of her body and her legs can go the other way and i'm like yeah the t-1000 could do that too i mean it just yeah it just didn't happen to do it in the two hours that we got to see it do stuff but like yeah there's no reason it couldn't have and you got to start making the movie more character driven or you got to put some plot twists in it that are actually different and new because the Terminator's just awesome on its own, 
you know, learn something from like, I don't know, Friday the 13th or something where you're like, or Halloween where you're like, Michael Myers is always going to be the same Michael Myers. If you want to change things up at all, it's going to just have to be in how things play out, not yeah. in what its abilities are. And if you try yeah. to keep going above the abilities, you're just going to end up making more of the same stuff. There are so many shots in this movie of Mackenzie Davis knocking part of the Terminator's skin off of its face. Like, it's just constant series of ripping skin off of the Terminator's face and then uh-huh. it going back on like, like Venom. And it just gets boring after a while. Uh, yeah, we've got a certain it point. Since- 1992 exactly like there's so many shots of if the whole thing just in a puddle and it just reconstitutes back into a person and you're just like get on with it i'm not impressed by this i mean it looks cool and all but i've seen it a hundred times now please stop doing it i think the terminator the the bad guy really left something to be desired i thought it looked cool now on the other hand at the beginning of the movie after the sarah connor stuff it goes to the future and we're on uh the we hate movie guys refer to it as skull beach which is where like the battle takes place in uh terminator 2 and there's like a cool sequence of we're just looking at sand and as these waves roll in and the waves slowly wash the sand slowly washes away to reveal a human skull and you're like oh okay this is cool we're on skull beach neat and then it pulls out and it shows these terminators coming out of the ocean and it is the worst cgi like the terminators are coming out of the water and there are no ripples around them they're not dripping like with water or anything they're just it's just here's this thing and i'm just all i wanted was just get a real robot and have him walk out of the like get a guy in a costume and have him walk out of the water like i know you could do that with some mocap yeah it just looks really bad it looks so bad and i thought that's what the whole movie was going to be and thankfully it's not there are some really impressive action sequences but the bad stuff is really distracting like there's a lot of sequences where people are in motion on top of a train or hanging off of an airplane or leaning out of a helicopter and there is no wind at all it's like like it's not even blowing their hair around yeah, like they're on the back of a hair uh, on a hairplane on the back of an <laughs> on the back of an airplane, and Arnold's clothes aren't even like flapping in the breeze or anything like that. Like it's just little things like that that really distract from a shoestring thin plot as it is. So once you start picking everything apart like that, it really takes a lot of the fun out of it. But again, that being said, it wasn't the worst movie. It's definitely the better of the Terminators. It was better than Terminator Genesis, I can tell you that much. Yeah, I feel similarly about Terminator Genesis and X-Men Apocalypse, where I'm like, nah, I'm all right with just skipping that one. (laughs) (laughs) For some reason, it just doesn't bug me at all. But uh, I'm going to say that's all I got for old Termi. All right. Well, then uh, I can move on to Underwater, which is in theaters, which means... Oh, yeah. Preview. Tangent. <laughs> do we have a tangent? No. Oh. I just that, let's do tangent again. Theme song had some extra P's in it and a tangent <laughs> instead of a corner. That's your 2020 remix. Oh, man. I wasn't prepared. All right. So one, two, three, four, five. For some reason, this movie either only had five previews or I didn't bother to write about certain movies. It's possibly that because there might have, mm. you know, might have been some that I've seen so many times. I saw a new preview for Birds of Prey. This one actually decided to show some of the plot. And I will admit it looked more tolerable than before. But totally, pro- I totally agree. I I watched that new trailer and I went, I I don't look, this doesn't look like I'd hate it. Yeah. What's wrong? What's wrong with this? (laughs) I'm assuming that it's still a terrible movie, but that the editor that made this other preview was like, hang on, we're going to take the best stuff we can and make it look like this movie has a plot. So, I mean, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Maybe there was a lot to work with and the first editor just didn't do a good job of making a trailer. But I suspect that the first thing where it's Mm. just bad, but they realized they didn't have anything in the first trailer. But, you know, it it did seem enjoyable enough that I was like, eh, I could see myself being at home, not having anything to do and going, why not put that on while I fold clothes or something? You know, like, yeah. 
So eh, it's better. That's, than, that's about how I felt about it too. Yeah, I was like, mm. oh, that looks better than I thought it would. Right. Yeah, definitely better than the other preview. Saw the Fantasy Island preview again, and I was waiting for him to say something about the plane, and he either did, and I just didn't hear it. Uh, which well, the is girl, possible. the girl says it. The girl goes, "The plane." Uh I didn't hear it. So yeah, I didn't have anything else to say about that. And then I saw a preview for. Oh man, I didn't even get the name of it this time. <laughs> the movie is it with antebellum no the movie with the orphans and the haunted house and there's a woman in this movie who looks like zoe deschanel and i realized in the preview this time i was like she even acts like zoe deschanel like i feel like i'm seeing the same performance as in the happening but i don't remember what the movie was called so you know what listeners you'll just have to go to the movie theater <laughs> I'm just now I'm just now remembering that she was in the happening. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this isn't actually Zoe Deschanel, but it's close. And then I saw a preview for a movie that I called Kumal Nanjiani Judgment Night because there's a movie with Kumal Nanjiani in it that looks like a comedy version of Judgment Night. And it's called The Lovebirds. He and his girlfriend or wife are on a date and they witness a murder. And then they are either being chased around or they are trying to, I think they're trying to chase down whoever did it because they, they think they're going to, that they're being framed for it. And it actually looked kind of funny. I like Camille Nanjiani. So um, I'm in, although I haven't seen, um, uh, what's it called? The Big, Big Sick. Sick. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Then I saw a preview for The New Mutants. And it's like an X-Men movie that's also a horror movie. Uh-huh. Uh, it's got Anya Taylor-Joy, Maisie Williams, and I like both of them. So I guess those are kind of selling points. I can't say the movie looked like good, uh, <laughs> but I am kind of curious about this sort of action horror vibe. I, I can't think of a movie that I felt like really had that tone. I mean, there are definitely horror movies that have more action in them than others, but I can't think of a movie that felt like an action movie with horror to it. Maybe Mm -hmm. some sci-fi films have some scary parts, but it's not the same. So I'm a little curious about just kind of experiencing the tone. I can't, I can't say the movie actually looks good. So yeah. And also that movie has been finished for like three years. I heard that. And I heard that it was actually one of the things they were planning on doing was making it more of a horror movie, but then they didn't. <laughs> like they were supposed to add in more horror stuff, and they yeah, because the the Disney, not the Disney Fox thing happened, and Disney was like, "Stop putting money into this movie." Oh, they just want to end the X Men series of films for a while, Let so that they can kind of so they can relaunch while. it. But mm-hmm. they already spent all this money on this movie, so they're just going to put it out in like is it March or February? And oh, you know what? I didn't I didn't note the. So release date. like a, a movie that has been finished for like three years is going to get a release in six weeks. So that is not a good sign, man. They should have released it before while Maisie Williams came with all that Game of Thrones goodwill before people yeah. got the end of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Not that I'm, I don't know how many people would really hold that against Maisie Williams, but I mean, if it had been a couple years ago, you would have gotten Anya Taylor-Joy after Split and Maisie Williams while Game of Thrones was still likable. Yeah. They, they chose poorly. So that was the last preview I had. So that's the end of preview corner. I'm sure there's, there's outro music. Nope. Oh, shoot. I was hoping you'd say preview <laughs> corner backwards and I'd get to hear what it sounded like. All demonic and shit. Alright, well, Underwater stars Kristen Stewart, TJ Miller, and some other people. The idea behind this movie is that some organization is drilling extremely deeply in the ocean like the Marianas Trench. And there is some exposition in the credits that basically is like, here's the first act. You don't need it. <laughs> you know, we're just going to, we're just going to throw this stuff up on the screen during the credits and you have everything set up for you already, which I actually thought was fairly effective. I, I didn't mind that at all. And it allows for the movie to just kind of start. And it's just like, here's Kristen Stewart brushing her teeth. And now stuff that you knew would happen because you saw the preview is starting to happen. And and that's it. And then from there, it's just kind of takes off and, and goes 
with this place being kind of under attack by sort of mysterious creatures. For the most part, the the movie kind of feels like the preview where you're like, okay, I, I can't really tell exactly what's going on, exactly what's attacking and, and making these things happen. So the exposition part, the credits were effective. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, there's the rest. <laughs> and um, <laughs> uh, I didn't enjoy this movie very much. Kristen Stewart. I want to say Kristen Stewart is fine in this. And I don't know. I, I, I'm not quite sure about this. I don't think she did anything wrong. I want to be clear about that. But I had a little bit to think about this because I saw this last week. And I, I was thinking about it the other day. And I'm like, I think I enjoyed Chris, I like the character design of Kristen Stewart more than the actual character. Like, there's not really much character in this movie aside from TJ Miller's character being TJ Miller and AKA fucking annoying. There's not a whole lot of character to anybody. Now, Kristen Stewart, like when I say the, the character design, it's kind of like she's got this really short, bright blonde hair and this sort of goth, smoky eye thing going on. And so, there's something compelling just kind of looking at her and she's got a decent sort of presence or maybe it's the way she shot. And I can't tell, you know, I really can't tell whether like she actually was acting well, acting poorly, acting magnificently, or, or if it was just like, Oh no, she just kind of looked cool. You know, everything you just kind of said is how I felt about when I saw that Charlie, that new Charlie's angels movie trailer uh-huh. a few weeks ago where it was a trailer for a movie that was already on video or something. Right. And I was like, Oh, did this not come out yet? This looks kind of fun. And Kristen Stewart, there's something compelling about her, looking at her. Yeah. Um, I, I, and, and I think it's a similar design there too, where she's got kind of like a an edgy look to her. Yeah. And she, I don't know, just looks kind of cool. She does. She does look really cool. Like if, uh, 100%. This movie definitely, I don't know, rips off, pays homage, whatever you want to call it, alien in aliens and i could totally see where if they were going to make another alien movie that had ripley in it instead of having who was it winona Ryder, you know that was in the one movie with sigourney weaver i think it was resurrection is that right yes if you had Kristen stewart with sigourney weaver i could see the two of them doing pretty well together maybe i don't know maybe your daughter or something i could totally see that Uh, and i i think that Kristen Stewart would probably be able to do a good job if she had more to do. I, I feel know, like I mean, that's true. As you were saying that, I, I was thinking, wow, that sounds like great casting. And and before you finished your thought, I was like, yeah, just recast Ripley as Kristen Stewart. Yeah. I'd be I, on board I, with that. I, th- I think you could. I think you could. She, She's got a certain badassness to her. Yeah. And that's where I, I question a little bit. I'm like, is it her or is it just how you can kind of make her look? Yeah, that's true. But yeah. I, but I don't know. I, I really, I, I'm baffled. I did see her in a movie a couple years ago where she's supposed to be like looking for her brother who's dead or something like that. There's it was some, oh, it's called Personal Shopper. And Does she got find this, him? It's worth watching. I'm not going to say. I'd, I'd oh, actually okay. say go check that movie out. It is worth watching. Okay. It's it's not your typical horror movie, but I thought she was pretty good in that. So yeah, you know, she might be fine. This movie doesn't give her much to do. I know I mentioned that TJ Miller's annoying in it. And I, I'm not going to lie. Some of the sexual harassment stuff that really turns me off. So I, I already found him really annoying, but then I'm bringing that into the theater too. So he just popped up on screen and I'm like, ugh, I don't need this. But he seems like uh, Bill Paxton in Aliens. Mm-hmm. This is another one of the things that just feels like it's kind of ripping off alien stuff. And the movie's got a pretty heavy tone and he's thrown in there for comic relief. But you know, like some Sometimes that works and sometimes it really doesn't. And in this movie, I'm like, man, I I just want everyone to punch him and be like, shut up, dude. We have serious stuff to do here. And so it feels kind of out of place. There's another actor who's in the movie. He's not in it very long. So I won't describe him because otherwise you'd be like, okay, that guy dies first. But he's really bad. So I guess you'll notice from the terrible acting. (laughs) You're like, oh, this guy's going to die first. But I will say this. There are some selling points to this movie. The tension is pretty good. I've been, you know, I got a bad habit of biting my fingernails. I was trying to cut back on that. And I found myself biting my fingernails a fair amount during this movie. So, so the tension's pretty good, but I think it wears off about maybe two thirds, maybe halfway through the movie because it just keeps running with this one static note. That's like, it's tense, 
but it's also it's also frustrating and i think there's a lot in this movie that people would say like well it's done on purpose where you can't see things but it doesn't feel like you know there are times in movies and again i could go with alien here where you see stuff and you can't see it all you know like in the mm-hmm. first alien movie you don't see all of the alien maybe at all until that gets shot out of that yeah yeah till uh, the very end um, and when you do see it it looks stupid <laughs> when it does get shot out completely and you see the whole body you're like oh, okay the feet don't work on this thing that's a guy in a suit but for the rest of the movie you don't see it because you're only seeing parts of it in this mm-hmm. movie you don't see stuff because it, it's sort of that you you can only see parts but it's also that there's a lot of murky water that you can't see through yeah and it should be effective but it's so constantly unclear and it's not just like murky it's also the camera shaking the whole time Uh, so it ends up being kind of an assault to your senses it doesn't feel real somehow so it it didn't work for me i i found that to be a real downer i i wanted there to be a lot of kind of teasing me with just showing a little bit of this and that but instead i just ended up being like good god this is just non-stop noise and spinning cameras so you know really frustrating visuals um and sounds the sounds too because it, people are screaming the whole time and it, you can't even really make out anything they're saying which is just maybe if it was one and not the other it would have worked better because i wouldn't be able to see stuff but if i could hear things clearly i'd still have something to work with yeah. or vice versa but it was so little that eventually it was just like okay i'm just gonna wait just for gonna... this to clear up yeah exactly you just you just stop paying attention because you're not getting anything from it yeah yeah i think that's that's a good way of putting it and and i did feel like i don't know if bored is quite the right word but just disinterested so when it finally comes around to the climax of the movie i'm like i don't care i don't i don't care what happens here if everyone dies if some of them die just kind of get it over now i'm i'm mm-hmm. i'm drained there's definitely some stupid stuff too like there's like, like shutting the door cliches you know where you're trying to race to get to the door before it shuts and there's one thing that it just doesn't there are a couple things that were you just kind of go with it it's like okay that's not how that would be built so i'm just gonna roll with it though you know it doesn't make sense if if things are falling out of the walls that probably means water should be coming in there so i'll just roll with that too but then there were certain things where i'm like well now that's just dumb (laughs) Where like let's say you could do a really important maneuver with something That would be incredibly dangerous and incredibly, incredibly, incredibly expensive. And instead of putting a bunch of fail safes around it, you're like, hit the space bar. (laughs) Hit the space bar. It's like if you were launching a rocket ship to the moon and all you had to do to send it out was hit a space bar. That's that's a thing that happens in this movie. And I'm like, well, that just it just doesn't feel right. <laughs> and it's in a moment where the tension is supposed to be pretty high. And I'm like, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking about that space bar. You know, what's funny about that is that I bet sending a rocket is just hitting a button on a computer. Because recently I asked one of my brother-in-laws about airplanes because they work on airplanes. Uh-huh. And I said, do airplanes have keys? And, and he's like, what? And I'm like, like, how do you start an airplane? And he's like, well, there's a key to get into the airplane. And then once you're in it, you just flip the, the, the appropriate switches when, and then it's just on. And I was like, oh, so there's no like turn the key on the airplane. <laughs> well, he's like, no, this might be true. I mean, ultimately it would come to turning a knob or pressing a button in some way or another. But if you see this movie, you'll get to this point and you'll go, I, I'm pretty sure you'll go. Okay, yeah, I get it. It just seems too simple, too easy, and a little out of place given everything that's going on. But overall, like this whole movie started off with an effective intro, and then it was just like a gradual, steady decline to like pretty deep mediocrity. And even once you do get to see stuff, I'll say some of the monster design is interesting, but not really, not, not enough to really do much for the movie's benefit. I don't know what to say. I feel like it's really in that little bit of gray area where I definitely don't recommend it to everybody. And as far as like Nick watching it goes, I'm like, I could see you being all right with it, but definitely saying that you ended up doing other things or playing on your phone while you were watching it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It feels like a January horror movie. It's not quite as bad, but it's close. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's got that half-assed feel. All right. 
Well, then that brings us to the moment on the show where we get to our movie ranking list. Mm-hmm. Matt, would you like to go first? Why not? I've got okay. it down on my phone. So I am going to put Zombieland Double Tap in between mm-hmm. Ready or Not and Lake Mungo. Wow. Okay. And the new number 26 spot. Yes. And how many stars for Zombieland? I'm going to give that one, you know, I've kind of gone back and forth between three and three and a half. I'll go with three and a half stars. Oh, wow. Okay. Pretty good. And I'm guessing that's a recommend. Yeah. Yeah, I recommend. Okay. Then uh, Underwater is your next selection. So scroll on down. Now, what I'm wondering is, was it worse than 47 meters down two? Wow. Where do I have that? In your 101 spot. Oh, I Underneath... It no. too. It's well above that. Really? Yeah. Although I'm looking at this and I'm like, huh, boy, I really didn't like Lego Movie 2, did I? So I'm putting Underwater between Dragons 3 and Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. That'll be your new number 75 movie. All right. How many stars for Underwater? 1.5. 1.5. Sounds exactly right. <laughs> and is that, a, is that a recommend? It sure is not. Great. Now we will open the list for me, and I saw two movies, and we're not going to go above 50 on this one. Mm. Terminator Dark Fate, I'm going to put into the new number 81 slot in between Fern Gully and Batman Ninja. And I put Fer- I gave Fern Gully the edge because my wife made a good point that the Terminator looks like it's ripping off Tim Curry monster from Fern Gully pretty bad at some points. And I went, you know what? Fern Gully did it first. So Fern Gully wins. <laughs> I'm going to give this movie two stars, but I would say I recommend seeing it. I'm not very comfortable with that, but I'm not. No, you don't I'm, sound I'm, it. <laughs> I'm less comfortable saying don't see it. Okay. I think I want people to see it so that I can talk to them about it. (laughs) I kind of got that impression, too. The next movie is going to be Angel Has Fallen, and that is going to go into my number 95 slot in between Pride and Prejudice and Zombies and Arctic. I'm going to give this movie one and a half stars. I wanted to stop after the one. Uh, it gets that half. It can have one and a half stars. But I do not recommend this. <laughs> do, do not watch Angel Has Fallen. Not a problem. Yeah. So that'll be the list for this week. If you would like to check out our list, you can find a link to it on our website, thisweekinfilm.com. Would you like to send us an email or contact us on social media and tell us what you saw in movies this week? And then we can talk about that. <laughs> Send us an email at thisweekinfilmpodcast at gmail.com or find us on the socials. Matt, yeah. anything for Midwest Matt recommends this week? Well, Nick, you should watch Get Out. <laughs> uh, other folks, a uh, little daily dose of mental health stuff. This woman's super popular now, so if, if you're interested in self-help or anything like that, you probably have heard her name a lot. But her name is Brene Brown, B-R-E-N-E brown as in the normal spelling if you want to just like a exactly with a u b u r o n no regular brown and she's got a good video that's it's just kind of like an introduction to some some nice thoughts called the power of vulnerability if you check it out on youtube it's pretty cool it's like a 19 minute video it's got some good ideas right in there so check it out okay terrific anything else for this week matt no. How about you? I am fresh out of movie discussion. All right. All right. Well, if I guess if that is the end of the reel, we'll see you next week in film. And remember, judge movies, not people. Linda Hamilton went to the same voice acting school as Carrie Fisher did. Because they both talk like this. Is, is that you being judgmental of people? Yes. I see. That's how that joke works. Smooth. <laughs> 